0: We're going to be in Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. It says here, He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. but sinners. Let's pray. Lord uh, Jesus, I pray that you would teach us today, Lord. I pray that you would help us understand that, that powerful statement that you have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Help us know and, and, and understand in our hearts that no one is righteous, that we're all sinners. But help us not be deceived like the Pharisees, Lord. I pray that we would admit our need for you, Lord, our need for a doctor, a savior. Tear down our pride, Lord. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear, Lord. Help us repent and believe as you call us to. Bless this time, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So just a quick recap uh, of the book of Mark, what we've seen here, because it's pretty amazing when you look at Mark, the picture that Mark's given us of Jesus. He begins the book of Mark with the, the announcement of the good news of the gospel, right, that the king has arrived. And then he goes on to show us in this gospel how amazing this king is, right? Jesus is going around preaching gathering his disciples, crowds are following him. He's calling people to repent and believe the kingdom is at hand, right? The promised kingdom that they've been waiting for. And and the Messiah is here in himself. He's he's shown us his authority, his teaching authority, right? He doesn't teach like the the other teachers. He teaches out of the original stuff. He's shown us his his authority over the, the spiritual world as even the demons listen to him, right? He's casting out demons. And then he's showing us his uh, authority over the physical world as he's able to to heal sin, right, or to heal uh, the body, right, to heal people. And and last week we saw an amazing picture of Jesus' compassion, right? Mark's doing this amazing job of just laying out more and more about Jesus, right? We see Jesus' compassion as the unclean, disgusting leper falls before, before him, right? And he touches him. He heals him compassionately. And then we see Jesus' ability to not just deal with the outside and, and heal the outward, but to deal with the heart as he forgives sin of the paralytic. Jesus is a, an amazing king, right? And and he's not a king that you would expect. He's surprising everyone. He's He's breaking everyone's expectations. He's He's breaking their religious traditions. He's offending the religious people. And the interesting thing is the, the people that you would think by the world standards would be interested and attracted to Jesus are the ones furthest away, right? The religious folk. And then the people you think that would want nothing to do with Jesus are the closest to Jesus, right? He, he's, he's blowing our, our expectations, and so the, religious, the, the non-religious, the outsiders are, are attracted to him. And what we begin to see is this pattern of, of confrontation with the, the Pharisees and the scribes and the, and the high priests. You're going to see all these different religious groups that are, are, are confronting with Jesus, right? And, and so what we see here is that Jesus is coming to, to kill religion and replace it with himself. That's what he is doing. And so today we see Jesus eating with the, the wrong people and the religious people are upset. Now you got to understand the power it was of, of eating with someone. Eating with someone in this culture was, was an indication of, of friendship, of acceptance, right? Much like today, right? You eat with your friends. You invite your friends over to, over to dinner. And so uh, Jesus is, is saying he's their friend. He accepts them. And he's not just eating with them. It says he's reclining with them, if you notice in the, in the Scripture. He's reclining, right? He's relaxing. He's kicking back. He's chilling, whatever word you want to use. And the Pharisees, they don't like it, right? They're upset. Now, you've got to understand who the Pharisees are. The word Pharisee means separatist. They're all about separating from people. They're a social, political, religious group that was formed 200 years before Jesus. And what they believed, the, the Pharisees, is they believed Israel had to cleanse themselves for the, for the kingdom to, to be brought in, right? For God to bring in His kingdom and restore Israel and, and, and remove the Gentile oppression. So they were separating themselves from sinners and trying to clean themselves, and, and and so what they would do is they formed a, a holy huddle right they wouldn't get they wouldn't get near to the sinners they didn't want to get their sin on them and and so you got to see that it's important to understand that these are the fundamentalists of the day right these are the people that are uh, devoted to scripture these are the the good church people that we would call today and they had and 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 so we have a tendency, we could fall in, the, in line with the Pharisees very easy, right? They had, a, they had an outward observance of the law, but they didn't have an inward faith. They had an outward righteousness, and that's what we're going to see here. And so the problem here is not with the party. The Pharisees knew of, of Revelations 19. They knew God's kingdom was going to be a party, but their problem here is with the guest list, right? Jesus was going around handing invitations out to his kingdom and he was saying come as you are come as you are now when the pharisees handed out an invitation their invitation said you got to get yourself cleaned up first right you got to do better you got to try harder a- and they would exalt themselves and because of that no one was coming because they didn't think they were good enough so they were misleading the people and in fact, keeping the people away from coming to God. And, and tax collectors, you got to understand why they're so upset about tax collectors. Tax collectors are are social outcasts who use their position of authority to, to cheat people. They were collaborators with the enemy. They were traitors, right? They believed that the Jews believed in that day that that you know, the, the Gentiles were gonna be defeated by God's kingdom, right? That Rome is the enemy, and the tax collectors have have, have gone onto the side of the enemy. So the tax collectors aren't just cheating them, but they, they see them as God's enemies. Right? Here's God sitting down, eating with his enemies and unclean people. People that that are gonna get their sin on him, right? And so, sinners was just a general general term for for morally unclean people. This is adulterers, right? Liars, cheaters, murderers, homosexuals, uh, prostitutes. That's who Jesus was hanging out with. And and if you know, if you can imagine, those people who are trying to be separatists are going to notice when they're all watching Jesus that he's not separating. He's not conforming to our religious expectations. And so they questioned the disciples of Jesus, right? He says here, why does he eat with, they, they ask his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And you got to understand that this is not just a innocent question, right? That they, they want an answer. Right? Why why is he eating with them? Explain it. No. This is a, a, a hostile accusation in the form of a question. Right? They're accusing Jesus. They often called him a drunkard and a glutton. Right? A friend of tax collectors and sinners. So they're accusing him of, you know, they don't believe he's God. They don't believe who he says he is. And they don't believe in his authority. And later on, you're going to see they even accuse him of having a demon. So this there's this hostile accusation, and in verse 17, we get the most powerful statement of all. You should look at it with me. It says here, And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. All right? And so with this, this little mini parable communicates the fact that physicians or doctors exist to heal people, to heal sick people, right? It's, it's common sense. Doctors need to be with sick people. And so they're, they're asking Jesus to behave like a doctor who has nothing to do with sick people, right? When you put it in, in the way Jesus is explaining, it seems pretty silly that you would ask a doctor not to be with sick people, and so when Jesus also here refers to the righteous, it doesn't mean that the Pharisees are literally righteous, right? They're not righteous. They're self-righteous. They think they don't need a doctor. They don't see their, their need for a Savior. And, and then sinners are here are, are people who know they're in need of a doctor, right? So you've got two groups here, the self-righteous Pharisees and sinners who who recognize their need for a doctor right they're broken over their sin and and they're admitting that they're sick and they're coming to Jesus let me ask you this when do you go to a doctor think about it you go to a doctor when you can't treat yourself anymore right when the when the vitamins don't work anymore or or the over the counter medications don't work anymore when when you come to the end of yourself and say, hey, I can't fix this, you finally go to the doctor, right? Now, some people go to the doctor faster than others, all right? If you're like my wife, Ruthie, and I asked her permission to say this, and she's not here, uh, some people want to go to the doctor as soon as they see a little bit of blood, they're ready to run to the emergency room, right? When, my, when one of my daughters gets a bloody nose, she's ready to call 911. She's ready to rush them to the ER or urgent care. She's ready to go to the doctor. Now, some people have to wait a little bit longer, right? They're more like me. I want to see that there's really a problem. There's got to be a, an arm falling off for me to go to the doctor. Because the first thing I think about when I think about the doctors, is I see dollar signs. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be so expensive. No. Uh, and so I'm like, no, calm down. Let's see if we can treat it. Let's see if... If there's really a problem there, that we need to go to the doctor. But if there's a real problem, I'll go to the doctor. I'm not going to hesitate, right? Now, some people will die before they go to the doctor, right? Have you ever had that? I'm sure everyone's probably known someone that just refuses to go to the doctor. And they'll die of cancer before they go to a doctor, right? And so the, the righteous people here that Jesus is talking about, are in the same place religiously as the person who won't go to a doctor at all, right? because righteous people believe that they can heal themselves. They think that they can do better, that they can try harder, that they can make themselves right by being a good person, right? They think that they can heal themselves. Or they don't even think they're that bad in the first place, right? And so they, for to them... Jesus might be an example or a teacher, but he's not a savior. And so because they don't feel the need for a soul physician, they have a major problem, right? Because the scripture tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The scripture tells us we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, right? The scripture tells us that no one is good, no, not one. And and it even tells us that even our righteous deeds outside of faith before God are like filthy rags, right? So when you're trying to clean yourself, when you're trying to do it your own, even the best of your works, the best of your good deeds to earn righteousness are like filthy, disgusting rags. That's a big problem, right? There's nothing they can do to make themselves righteous before God. It's like trying to, if you have cancer, it's like trying to treat your cancer on your own means, right? You're not a doctor. You don't have the medications. You don't have any education. You can't do chemotherapy. That's how silly it is. And so Jesus says that he will only help those who know that they are moral and spiritual failures and unable to save themselves, right? So listen to that again. Jesus will only help those that admit that they are a moral or spiritual failure and unable to help themselves, right? Because all people are sick. All people are sick. But sinners are closer to God's kingdom because they'll admit that they have a problem than those who won't admit it. And so... If you don't think you're a moral failure, you're not a Christian, right? If you don't think you're a moral failure, if you think you're pretty good, you're not a Christian. And so Christianity is only for those who admit that they're moral failures. And so the requirement for meeting Jesus is is not a good life, but admitting I'm a sinner and I need a doctor, I need a Savior and so self righteousness is in in a, a way the only the only uh, condemning sin fatal sin it's the only fatal sin because you won't admit your need right you you you're blind to see your own need for a savior and and you admit and you you avoid the doctor you miss the solution for your sin and the good news is that Jesus is not just a teacher, but a doctor, right? Teachers come in and tell us how you can heal yourself, right? That's what all other, religious, all other religions do. They, they give you a teacher that tells you how you can heal yourself. But Jesus doesn't just teach us how, he can, how we can heal ourselves. He actually heals us. He changes us. He transforms us. Jesus gives us a, a new life. He gives us power to be different, right? He fills us with the Holy Spirit and enables us to, to change, right? To be, to be healed of our, our sickness, our sin problem, right? All the, all the behaviors are just symptoms of that inner heart problem that needs to be dealt with. And so his forgiveness really does change us. Look at Levi, right? Immediately after Jesus calls him to follow him, He throws a big party. He throws a party for all his friends to meet Jesus, right? Jesus is already making him into a a person who who cares for others, right, who cares for his his friends and wants them all to to meet Jesus and and see what happened to him. That's that's a powerful picture, I think, of, of God's transforming grace on his life. So let me ask you this. Are you a Pharisee? Now, that's a, that's a hard question. That's, that's a tough thing to admit. But I, I want to tell you that we all are probably more like a Pharisee than we want to admit. And it, it hurts to admit it. All right? So here's two ways I want you to examine your hearts to see if you're a Pharisee. Pharisee means separatist. Do you separate yourself from sinners? All right? Are you a friend of sinners? Do you tell your friends your family, your co-workers, your neighbors about Jesus and what he's done in your life? Now, you don't have to be the most amazing evangelist and go through the, the whole gospel with every single person, but do you, do you regularly try to tell people that, hey, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, or, or Jesus, Jesus changed me, or invite people to church, right? Or do you separate from people, right? If you don't love them, if you don't pray for them, if you don't serve people, you, you yourself might be a Pharisee, right? Because here's what the Pharisees did. They created a system that allowed them to feel superior. And then they, didn't lift, they wouldn't lift one finger to help anyone else, okay? So this is how it might look today. Today's Pharisees might condemn people for their dysfunctional families, but not lift one finger to help people that have dysfunctional families. Today's Pharisees might condemn people for their excessive drinking, but not lift one finger to to help them see what their true need is, right? Their need for a Savior or where they can find true healing and true happiness. Today's Pharisees might condemn people for their, their laziness, but not lift one finger to help someone get a job. Or provide employment for someone. Today's Pharisees might condemn people for their sinful behaviors, but never point them to Jesus, right? We just look down on people and, and judge them. And they're idiots, and I'm going to stay away from them, right? That's where uh, the pride can come in. I'm better than people, right? And really, the gospel should humble us. The gospel is the most humbling thing because it tells us that none of us are good we all need a savior we're all sinners and even when jesus does come in and change my life right when he calls me like levi then i'm still humble because man i would be the worst of all sinners if it wasn't for jesus so the god the god we can never have have pride in our life the gospel should always hum, hum, humble us and and make us come along proclaiming and, and demonstrating the good news of the gospel. The second thing I want you to ask yourself: are you proud and self-righteous like the Pharisees? Do you think you don't need Jesus? Right? Are you proud and self-righteous like the Pharisees? Right? The root sin under all sin is, is pride and disbelief. So we all have, we all have some pride in our, our lives. And, and so I want to read you this. I got a little checklist. And at the end of service, we're going to hand these out for everyone. Uh, I really want us all to evaluate our hearts and help, help uh, identify areas of pride, identify areas of self-righteousness in our life. And then we can confess them before God and receive his grace. Right? Admit, I want us to be able to see how we're a Pharisee and, and admit it and ask Jesus to change it, right? Come to the physician. So here's just, uh, I'm going to read a few of these. Here's what proud, when I read proud, this is self-righteous, you know, Pharisee type attitudes in our heart. Proud people focus on the failure of others and can readily point out those faults. Is that you? Think about it. Proud people have a critical, fault-finding spirit. They look at everyone else's faults with a microscope, but their own with a telescope. Proud people have an independent, self-sufficient spirit. Proud people desire to be served. They want life to revolve around them and their own needs. That That one hurts me right there. Proud people keep others. At arm's length. Proud people find it difficult to discuss their spiritual needs with others. Proud people want to be sure that no one finds out when they have sinned. Their instinct is to cover up. Proud people have a hard time saying, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? Proud people are blind to the true condition of their hearts. And proud people don't think they need to repent of anything. Those are some scary things, and there's, there's more on there. And, the, and so I, w- I want everyone to do that and identify those areas, highlight or check them, and let's confess them and bring them to the Lord and ask a, him to, to change us. He's the only one can can transform us, right? This sermon isn't a, a Pharisee sermon, get your stuff together. The kingdom is for those who will admit their need for a doctor. And all this is to help us see that we all need a doctor. Right? It's not to make you feel guilty so you can clean yourself up for the party. Right? We're all, if we're sitting at that party, if we all admit it, we're all the sinners in that party. And, and Jesus says, come as you are. That's the good news. And what Jesus says, the con- uh, the condition, uh, the, the solution For our pride, right, and our disbelief is is repentance and belief, right? He says, repent, believe. The kingdom of God is at hand. Every week, that's what we come to. Every day, that's what we come to. We repent and believe because the kingdom of God is at hand. All right, so we we repent of our of our self-righteousness. We need to repent of of trying to be our own savior. We need to repent of putting ourselves as king in our lives, and expecting the world to, to revolve around us, right? So that, that's what we repent, and we come to Jesus. We turn to the physician, and and then and what we need to believe is right. Belief uh, addresses our our disbelief. We have to believe that Jesus is the Savior and not me. We need to believe that God is gracious. And so I don't have to prove myself. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity isn't do better, try harder. It's it's not what you do. It's what Jesus has done. Christianity is stop trying and start trusting Jesus. So trust in, in his love and his grace for you. Trust that he accepts you and, and that he will forgive you. Trust that... That he will bring you into his family. I trust that he gives you a righteousness that you could never attain on your own. Right? Trust that God is great, so I don't have to be in control of my life. Right? I I don't have to try to control people and circumstances around me. No, I can surrender to God because he's great and he's sovereign right? Believe that, that he is he's, he's glorious, and so I don't have to fear others, and I don't have to fear circumstances. I can come to him and give him the, uh, and I can rest in him, right? So that, that's, the four, that's the three of the four Gs. The other one is uh, God is good, so I don't have to look elsewhere, Right? Everything I'm, I'm looking for and, and trying to have that world revolve around me is, is found in, in Jesus. He's my only satisfaction. Right? Let's repent and believe. And even Christians keep repenting, keep believing every day. That's why I give this checklist is, is for us Christians as well. Because we still have sinful pride in our hearts. And we still need Jesus every day. We never, we never have it all together. And that's the, that's, the, that's the freedom there is in the gospel, right? We can be real people with sin that don't have it all together. Jesus loves me. He's changing me. He's working on me. And I'm going to keep surrendering and trusting him. Pray with me, please. Lord Jesus, worship you. Praise you. Thank you, Lord, that you are a doctor. We are sick and we need you, Lord. We need you to transform us. We need you to give us your righteousness to make us new creations. We want out with the old and in with the new, Lord. I pray that you would break us of our pride, Lord. Pride comes before the fall. You say that you oppose the proud, but give grace to the humble so we come before you we bow before you you are king and not us lord help us not separate ourselves from from sinners but be a friend of sinners because we ourselves are sinners and help us confess our pride and and our disbelief and repent and believe daily lord help us walk in freedom and uh and just be a, a, a blessing and glorify you lord in jesus name we pray amen